Hello everyone, and what a magnificent day this is. Because, if you remember, cast your mind back to last year when Motorola unveiled the regular Edge 20. I sat here at this desk and I just absolutely adored it. Then they put out the Edge 20 Pro, and I felt like it was too expensive for what you were getting. Then they put out the Edge 20 Lite, and I felt like that it was priced well, too highly and, and gave up too many features um, in order to be, consider be considered one of the best sort of, you know, affordable like rangers out there on the field. Then a year passed and we got at the start, the Edge 30 Pro. I really like that smartphone. I think Motorola in general makes really good Android smartphones, but I also felt like they had given up some of the soul of the original Edge uh, 20, which was the, like the boxy industrial design and that it was priced more weirdly in the market compared to say the regular Google Pixel 6 or the regular iPhone 13. So it's just, it's like, it's within like tens of dollars that you can like carve out a space on the market for yourself and be considered a really good deal. So why Motorola chose to lead with the Edge 30 Pro when they all this time had this is just baffling to me. Meet the Edge 30, not the Edge 30 Lite or the Edge 30 Pro, no, the mid one in the bunch. That, the Edge, the regular Edge 20, this one's direct predecessor, was the first one to be launched last year, but now this is last. I have no idea why, because this is the one Motorola should have been leading with all this time, because this is a 10 out of 10 smartphone. Okay, let's go over it. So the first thing that draws you in, by the way, I've just reset this. So I apologize, I've reset this for test use. Um, this has a fantastic screen. So it's a 6.5 inch, um, 144 Hertz, 1080p panel. Um, it has HDR10 plus support, 100% DCI-P3 color gamut coverage, like covers more than 600 nits in peak brightness, which is enough to overcome direct sunlight. It has 10 bit color, it's fantastic. Like blacks are deep and good. I mean, it's an AMOLED, so you could basically expect that. So it, the 144 Hertz refresh rate, which is more than you'll get on other phones of this ilk, they'll regularly go to 120 Hertz, but not above that. That is silky smooth and nice. So great screen, responsive, lovely, great for content consumption, regardless of what you're using it for. And it is in this package. I don't know if you can tell, but this is just 6.79 millimeters thin. And it maintains the same real boxy curves of the regular Edge 20 from last year, meaning that this is distinct. It is incredibly light, incredibly thin. It's actually 155 grams, it's nothing. And I know that it attracts a little bit of fingerprints here on the back, which is a shame. I would have loved it to be more matte, more frosted, so we wouldn't have to deal with that stuff. But it is just, an amazing profile of a smartphone. Like perfectly squared, lovely to hold, and just people can tell from a distance that it's the Edge 30. If you start to round out these edges and make it more sort of regular Android-y, then you get the Edge 30 Pro, which basically had lost, I think, all of the sort of swagger that the Edge 20 had. So it's lovely to see this being back. And by the way, you don't give up much in order to get to, well, this more sort of mid-range price point. 4,000 milliamp hour battery, which regularly lasted me an, an, a day's worth, basically. 
IP52 water and dust resistant, Bluetooth 5.2, Wi-Fi 6. It basically has all the stuff. It is missing one critical feature. I still think this is a masterpiece because masterpieces aren't even perfect, but it misses wireless charging. I think it's because it's so thin that they just can't fit a wireless charging coil in here, but I do hope that they do one on the H40 next year because I don't know about you guys, but I've just, my life is set up around wireless charging. I have a wireless charger on my bedstand. I have a wireless charger here at my desk. It's just more convenient for me to not have cables around and to just put things down when I want it to charge instead of fiddle with chargers and cables all the time, regardless even of having a cable sort of lying there at the ready to charge. It's just more convenient for me to just put it down and know that it is charging. So what other compromises is there? Because that's what like, it, this isn't the balls to the wall, like $1,500 S22 ultra uh, competitor. No, this, is a compromise. So where have they compromised? Well, inside, you don't find a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, you find the Snapdragon 778G, which is just fine. It runs perfectly. Android is perfectly set up to run at 144 Hertz with perfect multitasking and, you know, not sacrifice anything. You get eight gigs of RAM in here as well, and you get 128 or 256 gigs of UFS 3.0 storage, which is perfectly fine. You don't need anything else. It has all the basic, like, bells and whistles. It even has a double SIM card slot for two nano SIMs, if that's what you want. And a lot of phones omit that. Now there isn't a headphone jack. I know that some people are looking for that, but I don't really mind it anymore. Also, this does not charge at like 100 watts, say like a OnePlus phone. This charges at 33 watts uh, wired, which is perfectly fine. It gives me like a day worth of power in 15, 20 minutes. It's perfect. I don't need anything more than that. I would have loved it to be wireless, 33 watts wired charging does not bother me. Round back here, there is another compromise. We do get a big 50 megapixel standard wide here, which is f1.8 with optical image stabilization. It has a couple of bells and whistles like all pixel focus. Um, it has better binning, basically means that it combines pixels into some of the pixels that it's binning together in order to squeeze a 50 megapixel, for instance, into a 12 megapixel photo. Well, one of those, some of those pixels are combining into an ultra pixel, basically meaning that it will enhance detail and sharpness where it feels like it needs to. Um, it also comes with a, a 50 megapixel ultra wide. There's a bit of a compromise there in that it's just a 114 degree field of view, which barely, barely meets the requirements for an ultra wide. And it does not have the, let's say the drama that 130 uh, degree FOV would have, but this takes good photos. This has, this does not have a dedicated telephoto lens, meaning it has no periscope zoom, optical zoom even. This has portrait mode and it takes fine photos. It's fine photos. It's a fine processor, which is in the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. And it has, it's fine that it does not have wireless charging. It's basically fantastic in every way. It's aesthetically distinct lasts all day on its charge, has fantastic clean Android installs with only stuff which adds to the experience like Moto Display, like wrist twist, uh, now it's not set up, but it has uh, wrist twisting for a camera. And uh, I can't quite remember, I, I used to use that all, all the time, but there's a couple for like the camera and for like the flashlight, stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that this 
is the camera when you're set it up. But also like the Moto does not add stuff to the end to the Android experience, but what it does add is great and should be just copied by everyone else. So fine camera, fast enough charging, dual SIM, fantastic screen, lovely performance, and all for a lot less than you would think. Like regional pricing is obviously very difficult, but you can get this for less, a lot less, like thousands of kroner less than a regular Pixel 6. And the same like an iPhone 13, it is a lot less than a Samsung S20, a Galaxy S21 FE. It basically, it's around the same as a OnePlus Nord 2. And this is just better in every way, man. Thank you so much for watching. This is a 10 out of 10. See you on the next one. Thank <laughs> you.